Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Neil Haley Show. And it's the Provisions brokerage celebrity segment i'm excited to welcome the program eric couch eric how are you and you had facebook booming today right oh man it's been going take crazy Crazy. about our guests for sure yes so today we're talking with james murray aka murr from uh from impractical jokers and uh, I, I'm thinking just some of the episodes we've seen and that have come up on Facebook, and uh, it's going to be a lively conversation. I've been looking forward to this one for a while. So, uh, Murr, man, welcome to the show. We're excited to talk. Thanks, Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's absolutely. interesting getting a look into your homes and seeing what the backgrounds are. Yeah, this is not my home. This is my oh. virtual studio. That's your virtual studio, but it, behind... Uh, this is my home. Eric, I see... Is that... Uh, Groot from uh, what's his, yes. his name? It's it's Groot, Groot the bobblehead, uh, and then we've got uh, we've got Yoda back here. Yoda is that BB-8 too? Um, no, this is actually an old school camera uh, that my my wife's family oh, used to have. A, and there's a here's another one right here, a Polaroid. Yeah. And, oh yeah, oh wow. They had, a, they had a store in West Texas that. Uh, like 30 years after it closed, it still had everything there. It's kind of like a ghost town. Yeah. Uh, so we were walking through a couple years ago and her aunt has this, I mean, just like rooms and rooms and rooms of, of stuff that she's collected over the years and some, some pretty cool stuff. So I had, uh, I had asked if I could have some of the cameras that, that still had, you know, the original box and it had, you know, uh, the stuff to take the photos with and uh, original flash bulbs and, it's pretty fun stuff so very cool behind behind the camera i'll get it one second you have a yoda right literally in the room i happen to have you know just two lightsabers i love it crazy coincidence just so you know this is this is where i'm rocking you know this is you so are you a star wars nerd you you gotta be ready we have a star wars nerd i I think the key word being nerd i'm just a nerd in general (laughs) <laughs> I'm a Star Wars. I, I love sci-fi, but then Star Wars is just, I mean, anytime Star Wars talk about Star Wars, I'm also a Heroes fan back in the day. Just, I, like, I like different types of sci-fi, but it all depends. So, Are you talking about the TV show Heroes? Yeah. yeah. Would you like that show? I, I, I mostly loved it, and we're dear friends with Greg Grunberg from the show. I love who's Greg. Been, who's been in Star Wars, and he unfortunately yeah. died in the last movie. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I was like, Greg, come on. I've interviewed him a couple times, yeah. Murray. And I'm like, come on, no, don't kill him. And I just had the uh, the solo from the solo movie on promoting a show for NBC. And he's a great guy, too. I, I, I hate names. I'll just call him Han, right? We had Han, the real, the new, the, the baby Han, not yeah. before the other one. But it was interesting hearing him and said, are we going to have solo, too? Because it's amazing yeah. what Star Wars has done, Murray right with the new with disney now with disney's chant with the channel how they're really going to be able to repurpose the content and utilize right. a lot of the characters for us nerds that will watch all day long i'll tell you what when are we getting a so uh, a standalone darth vader movie that's what i called vader when is that happening that's coming up with anakin the story did you see that that's no. already coming out a standalone yeah. darth vader movie no it's not standalone it's going to be the series of anakin series I want a standalone Darth Vader movie yeah. to see him being a badass. That's what I want. Okay. Yeah. Well, you, Just you destroying see. everything. You you go ahead and create it, okay? I, I don't have the rights. I can't. Oh, you go against Disney. You just call Disney today, right? Pick up the phone and call them. And say I have the. They best have a couple of attorneys. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So Eric, first now question there could be her. there could be an impractical jokers episode of just. Um, 
you know, Vader things where you're, you know, getting choked out or something like that, but, you know, they're standing across the room from you. A very special getting choked out episode of Impractical Jokers. Uh, and no, you can kind of mix that with Star Wars and then Spaceballs. So, uh, yeah. Favorite movies. There you go. <laughs> uh, and uh, I did, I played Darth Vader in an ice bucket challenge for the TV station. So that's up on YouTube at one point where I was Darth Vader and had to, soak douse people with my my skills and i'm a legitimate 610 so i filled into the darth vader suit really well yeah <laughs> yeah you're 610 for real yeah former professional wrestler my wow, that's wild. Yeah. it's interesting to know because your head is a little bit low in the frame of your camera yeah so it makes you look a little bit shorter than 610 no that's yeah. right if i would go up like this oh, see, i'm trying to fit down. if i block yeah i don't want to block my uh my branding no, so I've, I've tried to fit myself exactly yeah. where it needs to be. And the chair I'm in, uh, oh. you know, that's always what's fun about Zooms. I'm a radio guy, Murr. I just started to try to do the whole TV thing. I used to do the TV thing where I'd still have the TV show, but just radio interviews with celebrities. I said, well, yeah. because of the pandemic, I said, no, we're getting them on camera now. And you that's the best thing. Now you're, getting, now you're getting us in our pajamas, like at home. <laughs> exactly. Get to see all the cool homes and different things. Business right, on top and party on bottom. Yeah. Merge so. controlling this interview. So go ahead for the first question, Eric. Okay. Okay. So I've got a whole slew of questions, but, but first let's go back. So, so you've, you've written some sci-fi stuff. Um, you're, you're a comedian. And then you also work with some of your grade school best friends of doing the crap that us guys do, except you actually make a living. All the stuff that your mom was like, you could never make a living doing that. Like, that's what you do and make a living. So kind of fill us in on some backstory. Yeah, I can't believe I get to do what I do for a living. I, I, I can't believe, if you look at it, I can't believe that, you know, I was a, a valedictorian in grade school, salutatorian in high school. Yeah. I had a four zero average at Georgetown when I went. Oh, wow. And, and, and then Q dropped out of college, worked as a toll booth collector and an ice cream truck driver, and him and I make the exact same amount of money. <laughs> toll booth, really? So it yeah. just shows you, man, that's what happens. Uh, and I, I wouldn't have it any other way. It's amazing that what, what I get to do with my best friends. Uh, the story is the guys and I have been friends for 30 years. We went to high school together. We met first day of high school, and we formed Jokers. Uh, it took us like 11 years to get on TV. Formed Jokers, and now we've been doing that for 10 years straight now. And it's led to all sorts of cool things, like the movie that came out this year, right, right before the world shut down. Uh, we had two weeks in the theaters. I'll take it, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody told me recently, and this is going to drive you, this is going to be crazy, but, you know, we were, I think, the last movie to come out in theaters before they shut down, right? That being said, the Academy Awards are going to happen no matter what. So we have a decent chance because by forfeit of winning an Academy Award. Like, we might become the highest grossing comedy of 2020 by default. You know oh, my mean? gosh. You know, hey, we're, man, we're you gonna take win, what you we're gonna can get. Win every Academy, we're going to win, like, best animated feature, best foreign film, best supporting actors. We're going to win everything because there's no competition. Yeah. You know? uh, yeah, so it led to cool things. And it led to cool things like the TV show and our fan base being as amazing as they are led to another passion of mine which is writing mm -hmm. i uh, i wrote my first book long before jokers i spent a year writing it in 2004 and uh it's like a thriller it was the first book of the series called awakened and i sent it out after a year of working i sent it out to every publisher being nobody uh and not having agents or anything like that and every publisher returned it to me unopened i couldn't get a single person to read it right wow fast forward a decade later I'm on TV, our fan base. I sent the same book, not a single word changed into HarperCollins. They bought the trilogy. Uh, the first book hit number one on the international bestseller list. Wow. Uh, number two hit number four on the bestseller list. Uh, book three just came out a few weeks ago of alliteration. And then I have five more books coming out. I have Don't Move comes out in October. Uh, that's a thriller that takes place in the woods of West Virginia. Then I have... Um, uh, the bottom drawer here, which I'll get. I have The Stowaway comes out next April. That is a thriller on a cruise ship. And then starting next summer, I have three children's middle grade books coming out uh, called Interns of Area 51. So, oh my gosh. The thing is, like, all the TV show and our fans made all this kind of stuff possible. It's kind of like a dream come true. 
So when do you find the time? Well, I have a lot of time right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's like, a lot of books. I haven't been nearly as productive. We have nothing but time at the moment. So yeah. I've been writing a lot uh, uh, while home and doing a lot of uh, writing, writing books uh, with my co-writers, uh, uh, Darren and on the other books, my co-writer Carson. We've been writing books over Zoom, basically. Which wow. And that whole process, now you're taking everything that you went to school, your intelligence, and now after getting paid for Impractical Jokers, you pretty much can do what you love on the side of things mm -hmm. that maybe you would never if you had a day job. Uh, yeah, it all is made possible through Jokers, of course, right? Mm -hmm. like it's all possible because of our fan base and the show still, I think, being funny and, uh, and still being on the air. And, you know, uh, it makes all these kind of other creative outlets possible for us, which is great. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, one of, one of the questions that I thought was great that came up was, you know, which, which skit, and, and we've, we've had some votes on what the people think, uh, but what skit made you the most nervous? Um, uh, I'm interested in seeing what people think. There's one that sticks with me to this day. I, I, uh, <laughs> there was an episode, this didn't make me nervous. It made me nervous for three months afterward, but there was an episode where they shaved off my eyebrows. Yeah. And I had to get a new driver's license photo with no eyebrows. <laughs> it's my, it's still, I, I just had it out or shown a fan a little while ago. Wow. So it's my desk, coincidentally. This is still my license to this day. It's for a 10 year punishment. That's still it. <laughs> oh my gosh, if this happened to me in pro wrestling, the headbangers from the WWE, the, the tag team champions of the WWF back in the day. We were down south. They were the Spiders. The first time I came in green as grass, they told me, hey, let's go ahead and do this. We're going to shave your – and they shaved my eyebrows. And they just said it was we're doing something else and didn't know what the heck they were doing. They, they were the biggest jokers in the world. Yep. Uh, Glenn and Chaz. Uh, and uh, shout out to those guys. But they – they should have been, you need to pull a joke on them at one point in time on an uh, independent wrestling show, the Headbangers, because they deserve it. They yeah, deserve it big time. When we pull the joke on them, I'll say, Neil sent us. Yes. Right. We'll That's everything. probably wise. Yeah. Yes, because, uh, I mean, no, they're pretty big guys. But, yeah, Glenn and Chaz will pull all the jokes in WWE all the time, yeah. every uh, maybe that's one of the reasons one of them I think got let go. Who knows for what reasons with maybe doing it to the wrong person in the office. But wrestlers do this a lot, Mur. I don't know if you heard about that, that they do a lot. The old school wrestlers. Yeah. The new school, I wouldn't say, but the 90s attitude wrestlers were big impractical jokers. Did you ever know that? Did you, they ever tell you that? We have a lot of professional wrestler fans. And we've done we've done uh, bits with um, professional wrestlers before on the show too, you know. Huh. And I think I, I, and we made Q for one punishment get into a ring at a match, and he got thrown around, you know, by Tommy, <laughs> by Tommy Dreamer. And uh, we've we've worked with them a lot. I, I think it's I really do think it's only a matter of time before we do some kind of crossover between Jokers and WWE, uh, because. We've been talking with them about it for a while. We were supposed to do a season finale uh, at the WWE. Um, what is their their facility down in Florida? Yeah, uh, the um, I, I the Performance Center. Performance Center, right? We were supposed to do a season finale there. I think last season, and the dates didn't work out for one reason or another. But I think it's only a matter of time before you see some kind of storyline crossover between Jokers and wrestling. Yeah, that'll yeah. definitely happen. My house, I, I don't. They're, they're, uh, they might be, no, they're not in this drawer. In my house, probably in the other room, I have all my wrestling figures. I'm an 80s wrestling figure, uh, wrestling guy. Okay, you know? let's see who I wrestled at your 80s figures, because I've wrestled some of them. Dude, yes. I, they're all downstairs. I'll go get the whole box if you want. It's, <laughs> if you have, Hacksaw Jim Dugan. If you have, I have Hacksaw Jim Dugan. Junkyard dog. I have him right downstairs. Right? Yeah, and JYD. I'll go run and get the box. She's going to blow you okay. away. Okay. <laughs> you don't have to run and get the box, but that's something for another ep another interview, Merle. Yeah. We're going to have to make it happen. And I might have an opportunity. It's very interesting. I had a conversation with a star from uh, another show, and it'll come to me in a second, but they're involved in a company called Celebrity Slots, and they talked about specifically he should be great in wrestling as well, one of the creators. My brain and who I've interviewed all the time, I just – It'll come to me later in the conversation because I'm thinking about you. But go ahead, Eric, for your next question. <laughs> okay, so so regarding like some of the the stuff you 
you know, we talked about like what made you most, you know, uncomfortable, what was punishment. You know, we had some of the things that, we, <laughs> of course, my favorite is, is when you were, when you were in the art studio and you're having to pose and then you, and they're like, do the, do the Miyagi kick. <laughs> when you finally just were like, I was crying. Like, by the way, it's, it's my son's favorite show. Un unfortunately, he's working right now because I, I tried to have him join us because I think he's seen every single episode. Wow. Did you ever, see, uh, you ever see the episode where they made me pull cigarettes out of people's mouths? That, yeah, so that, I think, to this day, <laughs> is the most scared I've ever been. We hired double the security that day because I, I was like, someone's going to knock me on my ass. Sure than shit, right? <laughs> like, it, someone's going to pop because you can't push people that way, you know, right. explain yourself, you know, and uh, thank God I didn't get, I didn't get punched, but. Well, you know, Brian, who asked that specific question of what made you most nervous, yeah. uh, as far as human interaction, he's like getting punched. He's like, my guess is a cigarette skit. Yep. So, so there you go. Now, that now was, my buddy was. Warren was like, you know, what was the worst punishment, skydiving or prostate exam? <laughs> you know, it's funny, uh, literally, you know, what they don't tell you on TV is that Dr. Frank, the guy that gave me two prostate exams on live TV. <laughs> yes, he's a doctor, true. But he's my friend, Frank, who yeah. happens to be a doctor. That right. they in. So it's, they don't tell you that in the punishment. So it's doubly embarrassing for me because it's not just a random doctor. That's yeah. my friend. Who is <laughs> I've been friends with him long before Jokers. He was just at him in his wife's house on Saturday, and we were talking about him again. I was like, it's weird to be at your friend's house knowing that his fingers have been in your butt, you know? Uh, <laughs> it's now, weird. You know? You've done some, so did you guys always play jokes all the time? Or yeah, we, we, we went to an all boys Catholic high school in Staten Island. You know, there was literally yeah. nothing other than to do than just prank your friends, you know? We yeah. went to school work, that's for sure. So, so it was just like ingrained in our DNA from when we were in our formative years, you know? Yeah, so that was kind of the assumption is, is like, it's just got to have gone back. I remember, uh, I remember in college, we had, we were in this little East Texas college and we lived in a dorm and there was like everybody and then the baseball team, which was one of the highest ranked in the nation for this little bitty college. And some got started and, you know, some of us had had some evil summer jobs of working with camps and stuff. And I remember before it was over, we were putting like dead fish in their, in their trucks, like hiding it under the engine or in the back seat. We would, we would penny lock them in their rooms and, and, you know, tie their doors together so they couldn't open them and yeah. get the bag with, uh, with uh, either Catfish Charlie, but then also some, you know, baby powder and put it under the door and hit it and just crop dust them and, yeah. you know, everything you could possibly do. They got their air conditions on the outside of the building, so we'd put, like, Catfish Charlie and sodium in the AC so it just oh, stick them out and they couldn't be in there, but then they're locked in their room so they can't get – it was – it was wildly fun and entertaining. I'm not going to lie. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the big one we used to do in school, too, you, I mean, the very classic, simple one, you take an egg, you lift the toilet cover, put the egg in, close the toilet seat, uh, the toilet, uh, you know, the actual ceramic, and just yeah. wait. <laughs> and just wait a week and see what happens. And they can, <laughs> they're searching. Well, what the, what the, where the hell is the smell coming from? You can't stop it. And no. you don't lift the damn ceramic <laughs> toilet the egg cover. part. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know every and and i'm sure it's more than just guys right I, I don't know but every guy can relate and just enjoys watching the show and laughs because it reminds us of 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 the time or those times where we just cut loose and were guys and had a blast and didn't care about the rest of the world and just had fun right that's yeah. the connection I, I think that I think that what makes the show work, honestly, is, is it, we don't consider it a prank show at all or anything like that. We consider it a buddy comedy, honestly. Right. It, it's uh, I think it's the biggest compliment we, we get is that we remind people of the friends they grew up with. I think that's a oh, yeah. huge compliment um, because we we and the other thing I, I, I think the show does is I think it's like an island of positivity in a really negative world. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and the show remains this kind of like sweet spot of positivity. And uh, I think it's the kind of show you come home after working all day or having a, a hell of a day, and you turn the TV on and you just laugh for a half hour straight. You know, you yeah. forget about all the bullshit and just laugh. So. Did, you ever, did you ever think the show would be such a success? I, I tell you, I didn't, I didn't know it would. I thought when we created the show, it was going to be guys our age watching the show 
and that's it. You know, you have guys in their forties, whatever, that are just think it's you work all kinds of things. And I don't know how old you guys are, but uh, and and it wasn't, and that surprised us. So like early on, when we um, we started doing the show, we started touring, and you know we tour a lot now. And um, and our at our live shows, we'd look out and we'd see as many, if not more, women in the audience than men. And the sh- the live shows that we do on tour, are like. 60 70% female the crew the joker's cruise we do every year is like 70% female we never and then tons of families coming and multi-generation you have the the grandparents the parents and the kids because it was like the one show they all agree on it's kind of like yeah. their, their dinner show they put on in the background we never saw that coming you know i thought it was just gonna be guys our age that are kind of laughing at dumb shit and it, yeah. it wasn't it became like a family show which surprised us and that's why we <laughs> That's why we kind of changed the tone of the show as we went on. And I think the show's gotten better as a result. Yeah. And I that's- think it has too. So, so you mentioned, you know, I don't want to come back to some of these other comical things, but, but you mentioned family. So, uh, you know, one of my, my buddies, Mitch had asked, you know, describe, describe the, <laughs> describe the conversation when you first mentioned to your family, right? Mom, dad, siblings, Hey, I want to, I want to, be an entrepreneur and start a business with my, with my best friends. But then also, you know, the comedy, but then kind of what was your mindset in starting this? You know, our families were really supportive for a long time when we failed, you know, they, 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 (laughs) you know, we, we failed for 11 years and they still came to every live show we did in New York city, uh, even though they sucked. You know, we, we did one show, it was like, like a year or two before Jokers, we did one live show in Manhattan uh, at a 40 person theater we rented. Two people bought tickets to see us perform. They spent five bucks each. The theater cost us $65 to rent. So we lost yeah. $5. We split it four ways and lost, you know? And, yeah. uh, but our families were always there, like still supporting us, come to shows. Uh, and even though it took so long to succeed, and uh, it was especially that I have a distinct memory of like the, the premiere episode of Jokers in 2011. Um, I remember that night distinctly because all of our families were there and uh, we didn't know if the show would last more than one day. We knew the pilot was airing that night and we right. were watching it live with our closest friends and family. And we were like, we may get canceled tomorrow. The ratings may suck, but tonight we made it. You know what I mean? Like no yeah. one way that we made it on t- television it's happening it exists you know and it was just so it was so gratifying honestly after 11 years of failure to create something that no matter what existed you right. know yeah can't take it away it aired it was on television even if only for one night and it's that was 10 years ago so we're very blessed well and you so, were persistent right you stuck with it. you didn't give up um and that's you know that's the the biggest issue for for most entrepreneurs is you know can you survive long enough to succeed. Exactly. Um, I, I think that's a big part of it is outlasting your competition. And, yeah. uh, and I think also uh, when you fail a lot, I mean, a lot spectacularly, I think you develop kind of an edge to what are, uh, and a, a, an outlook to what you're doing. And you kind of reach a point in your career where you're like, huh? can I curse or no? Well, don't curse because of television, but yeah. I won't curse. Okay, it's on television. I won't curse then. You kind of reach a point where you're like, F it. Uh, yeah. You're going to either make it or not. And, uh, and that when you have that edge, that's when you succeed, I think. You know? Right. You can get away with certain cuss words because of CNN, but thank you. Uh, and Fox and what's coming on, so we'll see what happens. But let me go to this one question. Are you a fan of the Jerky Boys? I, I wasn't a huge fan, but I know them. Yeah, I never, really? I never watched no, but like they're they're tapes and stuff. Growing up, I did. I don't know. I was. Uh, it's funny, but at the end, your jokes are different than that for sure. And the so Eric, go ahead with your question because before we get to the legacy question, because we could talk to Murr all day long. Well, so so yeah. Before we go, because I, I do have a couple more uh, joke questions, but but one of the questions that's a little more serious that that I really like. So uh, Tim would ask. You know, would love some insights of how the relationship stayed solid over the decade between you and the guys, right? Especially with all the craziness. You know, I have to imagine there's been some conflict over the years. So the question would be, you know, would be interested to know how you guys have worked through, you know, and, and maintained that bond over, especially with 11 years of, of not making it, right? Yeah, uh, I think it started from when we were kids. We were, yeah. we've been 
best friends for 30 years, 30 years. The TV show has been on 10. So still the majority of our friendship has been long before television. You know what I mean? And that kind of history, I think bonds you with, with your best friends in a way, you know, the other thing that I think helps is that let's say you're a stand-up comedian and you hit it big and you become famous, right? And you're selling out arenas and things like that. And you have a TV show, you're on your own doing it. You know, right. you're traveling alone, you're on the road alone. Everything that's happening to us, we're going through it with our the three other guys that are closest to you in your life. So yeah. all the ups, all the downs, all the fights, all the makeups, all the, the gr- amazing things happening, you're not experiencing it alone. We're not traveling alone. We're right. not having dinner alone on the road. We're not filming a TV show alone. I'm hanging out with my best friends. So you go through everything together as friends, and it makes it much easier to deal with uh, it makes success success much easier to deal with it, 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 it you keep each other grounded you keep each mm-hmm. other we i'm saying you we we keep each other grounded right, right. Each other, <clears throat> excuse me in check and it makes it very satisfying to be going through this with the three guys i would want to be going through this with you know it, it's yeah. uh that it, it's just the friendship goes long before you know crews created long before the tv show and, and at this point we're too old to make new friends <laughs> all right eric we'll just let you go two more quick questions before our time's up okay so so uh man um i've got to ask so d- did you really have no idea that they were going to make you do skydiving and are you really that terrified of heights I had no idea. I had no idea, which is, uh, I, you can tell, I, I ran into the bathroom at that location, the, the place, and I locked myself in for a half hour. <laughs> they, cut, they wouldn't let, they, they, I wouldn't let them put it on TV, but I was crying in the bathroom. Yeah. And I FaceTimed my mother from the bathroom of the skydiving place. They die. Uh, and she sent me to voicemail. <laughs> so, cause she was out shopping in Macy's. So I had to send her a text saying, I love you. You know, if this goes wrong, I love you. And they did it to me again in the Joker's movie. They made me ride outside of an airplane while I was flying. Oh my God. Uh, I'm out onto the wing and yeah. fly outside the plane. Okay, yeah. and then and then we've got a we got a legacy question, but I've got I've got one more for my buddy Manny, and that's what's the what's the and, and there may be many, right? But but what's the one joke that that didn't make it, right? That that just didn't make the air. That it's like no, nope, that's that's we draw the line. I know the answer. It's it was written in the the very document that we used to sell the TV show in our, in our pitch, our treat, a treatment for the show, our pitch document. One of this one punishment we've always wanted to do, and none of us have the, the nerve to do it. Uh, the idea is uh, the loser has to go to church uh, and when uh, to a couple getting married. And when they say, speak now or forever hold your peace, he's got to stand up, uh, object to the wedding, go into detail why he objects, realize he's at the wrong wedding, apologize and leave and none of us have the nerve to do it and i think that'll be like a series finale of the show we'll do it you know that, yeah <laughs> all right that's or or it or it finishes the season and it awesome. hasn't quite gotten awesome there right questions. thanks thank again thank eric couch's audience of fans on facebook for these amazing questions i i think this is great go eric with your legacy question now because i want to see what mer how mer okay so so mer one of the things that we always talk about is you know living a legacy right we all want to leave a legacy but we're also living one you're using your influence and you use it every day in your books and in the way that you make people laugh and that it's just like we talked about with with your uh you know you're not alone right you've got your best friends and you're so much stronger together so my question would be you know what what's the legacy that you want to leave um, behind, you know, when, when it's also, and it doesn't have to be specifically TV. It could be family, it could be friends. It could be whatever. Um, but you know, what's your passion? What do you want your legacy to be? I, I think the goal for us is to make people's lives just a little bit better. Yeah. Right. I, I think that's what drives the four of us is that when we're filming the TV show, we just think about making each other laugh, right? Because I, I, I know that these, these are the three funniest guys I've ever met in my life. And I, I know if I do, I do something that makes them laugh, I feel like it will make other people laugh too. So we're just yeah. focused on that goal. But the bigger impact is the letters we get from fans saying that uh, when they were in the hospital with whatever's going on in their life or their uh, 
mother passed away or they're yeah. they broke up with, with they, something fell apart in their life or they lost their job and what helped them get through or they've been in quarantine for four months and what helps get them through it is laughing for a half hour and they watch these marathons of the show and it helps them forget to, to remember that there's good out there and if, if we just make people just that much happier in their lives i think that and we can make millions of people have that we can impact millions of people yeah uh, in that way that that's it that's the legacy i i think that's the legacy i think the biggest legacy too is all the kids that watch the show yeah the kids yeah. i think it's like kids like from 10 years old to 20 years old this is their favorite show that's the legacy that'll last long beyond our years yeah. you know yeah it's fantastic now where can we purchase the books watch everything where's the best place to go uh, yeah. Obliteration, the brand new thriller. You'll love it. It's action packed, page turning. It's perfect summer beach reading. Uh, and you don't have to read, have read the other two books to understand it and love it. We catch you right up. To purchase Obliteration, go to Amazon, Barnes and Noble, anywhere books are sold. And uh, you can also uh, pre order Don't Move, uh, anywhere books are sold as well. All right, Mur, well, awesome, you're man. awesome. We're going to have to have you on again, Mur, for another book or another promotion or something else. Just reach out to me, and I appreciate you coming. We'd love to. Next episode, I'm bringing out the wrestling figures from the 80s. Oh, you're going to bring out the wrestling figures from the 80s, and then you also got to hit up. We're going we're gonna to prank the headbangers. Absolutely. <laughs> Those two. Look okay. for those both the next episode. Okay. Sounds Absolutely. Good. All right, Mur. Take care. All right, thanks, thanks, thanks. All right, guys, that was the Neil Haley Show. Take care, everyone. Celebrity slots. Free spin. Free to play mobile social slot games in the likeness of your favorite celebrities. Making money. Spin to win celebrity experiences through sweepstakes. Free to download. Free to play. Yeah, baby. What are you waiting for? Win meet and greets celebrity merchandise, gift cards, and more. Download Celebrity Slots today. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Photographic Memory Podcast. I'm excited to welcome the program, Dr. Shannon Panza. Dr. Shannon, what's going on? How are you? Oh, hey. I am healthier than ever, and I'm having a great day. I'm here talking with you. The sun's out. The sun actually came up this morning. Uh, some people, I guess, don't want it to, but it does anyhow. And so that's something we can make our day reliant upon. Exactly. So Dr. Shannon is a photographic memory expert, a brain management expert, and also he does mentoring. So go to zuxpro.com to find out about all the, the different things that Dr. Shannon does. And one thing today we're going to talk about that I think is important is brain health. Today, people have the problem, Dr. Shannon, of not understanding how important the brain is. They spend their time doing mindless activities and don't train and focus on how important the brain is to their overall health, which leads to lots of people with Alzheimer's because, uh, or, or dementia because they don't use their brain when they retire or they find it after their jobs over or their days over they're not still stimulating their brain they're just going to mush at five o'clock or six o'clock watching mindless activities that don't really help the overall brain but today you're going to teach us if if you don't have brain health you don't have physical health your physical body will deteriorate if your brain is not continually be stimulated is that correct oh yeah in a nutshell you could say you're uh stop sitting on your brains <laughs> right and why well, is the brain not a valued commodity with some people well it is a valued commodity it's just that they don't understand how to exercise it the brain is your most important muscle because the brain uh from your brain everything else works. If your brain isn't working, then everything else goes in, into deficit. Uh, now, this can be the autonomic functions of you breathing and your heart rate and all the, you know, all those types of things, the things that you take for granted to how your muscles function, how your, uh, how your 
uh, brain is actually interacting with your uh, with your musculature, how you walk, how you stand, your posture. Uh, then, uh, of course, this is reflected in your health. Now, I have not seen too many people that are crippled over with uh, with bad back and and uh, you know they have the neck going where they're literally a hunchback. I've never seen a person like that that ha- that reflects great health, not only in their phys- physical appearance and ability, but also because things aren't functioning there. If you don't have uh, if you don't have your brain in order and basically your uh, your neural net uh, obviously stems throughout your back. So if you have good posture, even such a little thing as good posture will actually make your brain work better. And these things are all missed. They're just not they're just not thought of. And and uh, us being a, um, a curly cue on a couch watching TV definitely doesn't help the matter much. Uh, so when it comes to uh, when it comes to the brain, it's very important that we exercise that muscle properly. There is no other exercise available that does so much for you. Well, I'm sure the scientists will come up with something to stimulate your brain mechanically or or such. Uh, electronically give you give, give you electroshock therapy or something but they're uh, uh, the scientists have a different way of looking at things obviously in many ways I look at things in a way that we need to exercise our brain if we're exercising our brain uh, our whole brain benefits from from that exercise there's the best exercise is exercising your photographic memory on your terms. And so whenever you're exercising your photographic memory, you can stimulate what is called neuroplasticity to occur uh, spontaneously within the brain. Now, this is usually a very slow process, uh, but if you are uh, if you're using photographic memory on a regular basis and challenging your brain, exactly. what happens is you trigger that neuroplasticity to make up for the difference in your brain. And so it starts rebuilding your brain a little bit faster than what it would normally do. Uh, there's always been a question about, well, gee, you know, you have somebody that's uh, been doing the wrong thing all their life. They've been drinking too much alcohol or smoking too many cigarettes. And yet they have a functional brain and you wonder, well, they've been burning out brain bits forever and ever. How come they aren't vegetables by now? Well, it's because our brain is dynamic. It keeps rebuilding itself. And that's that's what neuroplasticity is. It rebuilds the brain. Uh, It may never be completely compatible with those types of things, but your brain health is also supported by what you put into your body. So it's supported by your nutrition. It's supported by the poisons that you put into your body as well. In other words, if you put poisons in, then you're going to be knocking off a little bit more than what you can choose, so to speak. Uh, right. There's all kinds of good things that you can do. Uh, you've always heard, oh, you, uh, if you want to build your brain, eat fish. In other words, protein is good, and also the uh, omega, the omega oils are good for your brain. So these are all good things for your brain. You can support your, uh, you can support your uh, nutrition for your brain, and thus this also supports your nutrition for the rest of your body as well. Okay, so uh, whenever it comes to brain resiliency, as you build your brain and you build it stronger, you become resilient. Now, what do you want to become resilient to? I think one of the most terrible things in the world is whenever uh, an educated intellectual person or just a general person in general suffers Alzheimer's and uh, dementia. Quite often, this leads to a loss of their personality, a loss of their connection to who they are. Right. And this this is just it's a crazy thought to think that you're walking around and you stop knowing who you are, 
what you've done in life, all your accomplishments, but yet you're walking around and that's been shut off from you. You don't even know your family. It's the most terrible thing in the world to think that you are now suffering a loss of identity. Now, you want to, uh, I would think that everyone that is watching this would want to not have that happen to them because it, it would be a, a terrible waste. So it's really important that people start taking their brain health seriously so that you have less of this going on. I mean, we talk about all these other, uh, all these other things that are killing people you know, right and left, but we, we typically, when it comes to the brain, it's, we don't like discussing it unless it directly involves us and by then it's too late. So what you're saying is that stimulation of the brain, such an important thing because you will lose brain cells at times, but you can regenerate brain, brain, uh, brain, but at one point it will not regenerate completely, but the way to stop it from decreasing and to the point where you cannot remember anything ever again is the more stimulation through photographic memory, especially mental photography, how does that help the brain? And then how does that brain help help your overall health? Well, okay. So what we do, what I teach is I teach people how to use mental photography. Mental photography utilizes photographic memory to create, to create the stimulus using very large amounts of information. And that information goes in at light speed. It's quantum level information. It's stimulating your brain in the way that it wants to be stimulating. And because it's doing that, it stimulates the, the triggering of neuroplasticity to occur. Now, what is the vehicle? It's using your photographic memory. Your photographic memory is on all sensory levels. So it's not just, not just visual. And by using this, by using this, what happens is you stimulate the brain, you exercise the brain, you make your brain stronger. By making your brain stronger, everything that you do in life, everything that you want to create, everything that you want to move into, uh, if you, if it's something simple, like I want to elevate myself in my, in my employment, well, then you now have the ability to put together a plan of action that you simply didn't have before. Why? Because you're, you're able to think better. You're able to think clearer. Uh, and of course, Zoxpro definitely has the techniques that, uh, it, they're key techniques. It's a system. And I recommend that everybody uses the whole system because if you don't use the whole system, you won't get all the results. Uh, The results will be slower. But if you use the whole system, then what happens, and it is a very simple system, what happens is you have the keystones of putting together your brain better. And it's just a matter of you using it from that point on. And it also gives you certain strategies certain strategies, how to make various things in your life better. Now you could say employment, or maybe your relationships are more important. Uh, you know, it could be, it could be your, um, you're playing with the stocks or the cryptocurrencies. Doesn't matter. It makes you work better. Your brain works better. You're going to have better results. Okay. Plain and simple. It makes it plain and simple. And then that helps the better brain, the better health of your body, because your body will, what is that kind of the reason? So you talked about the body helping the brain, but how's the brain help the body? Well, let's start with the real basics. Stress. Stress is your biggest killer because whenever you're in stress, whenever you're in stress, what happens is you are not functioning, functioning at your proper level. Uh, everything becomes much harder. Why? Because stress right. builds up cortisol within within your system. It suppresses your immune system. You're more likely to get sick. 
okay? If you worry about too many things, you start to get sick. That's why, uh, that's why you hear people say, oh, I've worried, worried myself, uh, worried myself to death, or I've worried, <laughs> worried myself sick over whatever it is. Well, that's why. And it's really a relationship that people are telling you within their body. So stress is something you want to get rid of. The opposite of stress is confidence. If you have the information, if you set aside your fears, if you conquer at least most of the stress, then what you see is you see confidence in approaching life. You see the confidence in approaching a new day in a new light and making something of yourself better and better each day. Right. Does that sound like something that people should want to have happen? Yes. And so stress is the biggest relationship to brain and body, then, correct? That well, I don't, I don't say that that's the only, it's not the only connection. There's a lot of connections that are going on, but it's the most obvious. It's the most obvious what people suffer each day. Gotcha. Okay. Where can people de-stress themselves and take this course? Where can they go? Well, de-stressing is a matter of you employing what I teach. What I teach is not necessarily going to be de-stressing at first, but as you continue to use what I teach you, then yes, uh, you will see, you will see the stress levels go down because your confidence is building in what you're doing. Uh, And this is going to be reflective in your life. So where you go to get that, the first place to go, obviously, is Zoxpro.com, which is Zoxpro training. And that'll give you that'll give you the stepping stones, the fundamental pieces that you need to make a difference. Excellent. Well, appreciate it, Dr. Shannon. Another great episode, Zoxpro.com for more information. Look forward to chatting with you again next week. Thanks for having me again, Neil. All right, guys, that was the Photographic Memory Podcast. Take care. Please listen to the Forletta Podcast. Larry Forletta, a retired DEA agent turned private investigator, will bring you true life stories on the war on drugs with some of the most infamous international drug traffickers of all time, to name a few, Pablo Escobar. Manuel Noriega, Joaquin Guzman, a.k.a. El Chapo, and other related real-life crime stories such as Waco. For information, please visit his website at www.fcisllc.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Neil Haley Show and a special edition of embracing the abyss we're talking to john smith chapter 10 john how are you you're again your podcaster searching for integrity and we're going to continue to cover the book it's so interesting because you never know what can happen to you based on circumstance and circumstance definitely led you into this situation that led to the presidential pardon but I guess you would never be, you would just be John Smith, not received a professor, presidential pardon, spoke, uh, did a TED talk, had these amazing stories to tell, uh, was almost indicted, you know, was an informant. Those stories wouldn't have happened, John, if circumstance didn't lead you down that road. You're right. And I was indicted. Yeah. And um, it was... Um... What do you say? You know, you, you, you wonder your, to yourself, how did I get here? What am I doing here? What did I do to get here? And, uh, you know, that's, that went away after a while, but it has visitation rights. It comes back. Definitely. Most definitely, John. All right. So let's get started. Okay. This is uh, chapter 10. And the name of the chapter is The uh, the Phantom. Uh, the Phantom was a nickname that I gave to a guy who was uh, Dixon's number one lieutenant. He did whatever Dixon wanted him to do. 
um, cheat, steal, fraud, whatever. He was he was already to, already done. Oh, wow. Um, that's why I give him the Phantom because I could never find him. Seriously. Oh, now I'm gonna start chapter ten. The Phantom. I told the Dixon's deal guys. I was told. Dixon's stable of borrowers were all wealthy with large amounts of cash in the bank and large amounts of equities and so forth. I figured they would have to be wealthy in order to do these deals. What I found out later was that most of them didn't have anything. They were looking to Dixon to take care of them. While Dixon manipulated them, taking care of himself, no matter what kind of a deal they did, he would give them an identification letter, excuse me, an indemnification letter, which said that if anything ever happened, he would indemnify them for 100%. The promises by Dixon turned out to be worth nothing, absolutely oh, wow. zero. They were worthless, all these indemnifying documents. The Phantom was an engineer who lived in Florida. He was involved in one of the savings and loans there, probably Big Blue in St. Pete, and was introduced to Dixon. He had a lot of energy and a pretty good wit. He was not a big guy, about 5'8 and 140 pounds would be my guess. He was described by the Dallas secretaries as funny, sneaky, and not a sharp dresser. Dixon hired him to do whatever Dixon wanted him to do. He had no objections to anything. Later, the FBI would describe him as having no conscience whatsoever. Oh, my. The Phantom became Dixon's anointed. I recall a time right after my senior year in high school, my friend William, who's no longer with us, and I about a party over in the Woodrow Wilson High School, part of town of Dallas. A pajama party, as they used to call them in those days, and we were interested in checking it out. <laughs> William and I had either dated or considered all the girls from our own high school, so we were always looking around for girls that went to other high schools. When we arrived, there were a lot of people gathered in the front of the house. As we were walking across the front yard of the house next door, we were told to leave. We left, waited a minute or so, then said to each other, why are we letting these people tell us what to do? So we turned around and headed back to the party. All of a sudden, six or eight guys lined up forming a wall in front of us about 15 to 20 yards away. They were large guys, a bunch of football players who said, we don't want you here at this party. We replied, we're not going to hurt anybody or anything. They said, we don't want you here in so many words. They were saying, we don't want you messing with our women. It was like a bull moose standoff. <laughs> I think a few of them wanted to paw at the ground and blow smoke out their nostrils. Then this little guy standing behind the row of big guys appeared. He was jumping up to see who we were and what was going on. And every time he jumped, you could barely see his head between the bigger necks and taller shoulders. When he jumped, he would say, go away, go away. We don't want you here, go away. Then he'd jump again to say, we're gonna kick your ass if you came in and take our women. <laughs> One day at the office, there were some people talking about being from Dallas. The Phantom said he was from Dallas and he'd gone to school at Woodrow Wilson. Boom, that's where I connected his voice. <laughs> Guess who the jumping jack turned out to be? The Phantom. That's right. Oh, he my. was the jumping jack. The Phantom was the guy at Vernon's savings that you could never find when you needed him. I have hung the moniker on him, and everyone else called him that too. One minute you would see him in his office, and the next minute he would just disappear. He would disappear all day and half the next day. You couldn't find him anywhere. Later, I learned that his cousin, another outside buyer type that Dixon brought in to try and help save the ship, would meet the fan, Phantom at around 9.30 or 10 o'clock every morning. They would disappear and both go get drunk. 
My guess is that they had no longer had a deal with what were, they were involved in and couldn't find a way to get out. Wow. So there's always some parallel, not parallels, but like coincidences in this book, right? The one yes. time when somebody that you met a long time before meeting them again, yeah. and, and the same thing happens with the phantom. And, yeah. and this phantom, we're going to learn more about him in the book later on, I'm sure, was not a really good guy, right? He showed he wasn't no. a good guy then, and he shows he's not no. a good guy now. And the one right. guy who was part of the group, um, part of the group before, was not a good guy before, and now is a good guy now, right? Like the guy that did not get caught out of everybody, you knew he was a good guy when you met him in the uh, ice cream shop, right? That's right. So what does that show? That basically we can show our true colors and our true character based on one action item, the first meeting of somebody. How important is that, John, to you, that you might look at their integrity? And this kind of goes into an integrity question, but you can learn the first meeting and then after several other meetings, if they truly have integrity or not. Is that true, John? That is true. And there's another scene coming up in another chapter regarding that. That chapter is later on in the book. It's called, I believe it's just called Integrity. Because that's where the Searching for Integrity show came about is your integrity. You showed integrity by not by choosing what was right, even though what was wrong could have got you out, meaning you could have not whistleblown. Who knows if you would have gone into prison? And, but you would have always had that cloud over your shoulder that you weren't being honest. And you see honesty, integrity is important in your well-being as a person. That's right. Now, one thing that my attorney, Steve, told me, he said, you know, you're on your own, you're on your way. You can't avoid it. There's no way in hell that you're gonna be able to make it and not have to go to prison. There's only one condition. That is if you cross the Rubicon, become a member of the other side of the other camp oh my gosh wow yeah yeah that's why i had to live with that i had to live with not knowing if i was going but i did my best in terms of testifying with the government being the fbi's main guy yeah i was talking to somebody a little while ago about ptsd and I was telling them that I, I was in Vietnam and I was in some combat, but it didn't bother me until later on, 20 years later, I ended up having a, a, a VA done at the questionnaire. And they said, come on in for some sessions. We need to talk to you about your PTSD. And I said, who, me? And then I figured out that all those years, 14, 15 years of, of being the number one witness and going in combat with the best lawyers in the state of Texas for criminal defense, they were always trying to screw my mind. They were always trying to say something that wasn't true. That's just how what lawyers do. So that's how it all came about. Yeah. As it comes mm -hmm. piece by piece by piece. But it does have a, you know, kind of a, a human side to it. It was pretty, pretty funny to me when that, that was the phantom. So why if you would not? have whistleblown do you think he would have gone to jail no wait now there was no whistleblown there was no whistleblow i had already left i'd left uh, vernon savings and the meaning, state of texas came in and took it state but, of texas came in and took it over but if you wouldn't have testified would you have gone to jail for sure for sure oh my and but did you still we'll have to talk about this more about uh later on in the chapters of what if you wouldn't have what would your life be now so that's something to talk about in another time but this really this theme i believe is looking at somebody's character and see how their character did not change a bit since the first impression right not at all and, and that's the thing we have to look at so for example you meet somebody that promises the world you start to get to know them and you see, hey, they're really not integrity. They're really not looking out for me. You see it. But some people, 
you could see it from day one. They really are not a good person. And the phantom was that person. Okay. So the best place we could go see John read the whole book right now is going to embracingthebiss.com. You also could check out his podcast, Searching for Integrity at searchingforintegrity.com. Appreciate it, John. And we'll continue to talk next week. Take care. Okay, Neil. See you. All right. That was Embracing the Briss and Searching for Integrity here on the Neil Haley Show. Take care. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.